Thank you for being here this morning, those of you who are in the room and those of you who are joining us online. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Caitlin and I'm the youth pastor here at the summit and I have the privilege of bringing the word to you this morning. So before I go any further, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit is in this room. Your Holy Spirit is with every person who's watching from their home. Thank you, God, that you want to speak to us today, that you have a word for our hearts this morning. So we come now and we open our hearts to receive that word that will change our life today. God, would you bring truth to each person individually as I bring the word that you've given me that you would personalize it to each individual person that is listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning, we are continuing in a series called On Mission. We are talking about our mission as the summit and our mission as believers. So on mission, as followers of Jesus, every one of us is called to live a life on mission. He has put dreams and visions and callings and passion individually in each of our hearts and those individual things all come together and all connect to his mission that is for all of us. I want to challenge you today with a, a, whether it's a change or a reset or a reminder, however it applies to you, of our mindset towards the mission that we have as Christians. As I was preparing for today, I was challenged with the fact that I, I kept trying to make it more complicated than what the Lord was saying. And I feel like today, this is gonna be really basic while also being really vital. And I feel like going into the new year, as we're coming to the end of 2020, and all that it has held, good and bad, <laughs> that, that this is just a, a, a moment to stop and to ask the Lord, okay, <laughs> how can I reset? How can I take a step? What can I do to enter this new year with a mindset of being on mission for your kingdom. Because no matter what our job is, no matter what our family is, no matter what we do with our life on a day-to-day -day basis, every one of us is called to be on mission. If you have received Jesus <laughs> into your life as your savior, you have received his mission. So I just wanna encourage you today in what that looks like. So, Jesus 
gave us a couple, well, first of all, Jesus gave us a lot of instructions. Let's clarify that. He gave us a lot of instructions when he was here on the earth in his word. And I don't have my physical Bible here, but I promise you I have the word of God here uh, in his word. But I want to point out some specific mission statements that he gave to us. So Jesus commanded all of us to love God and love people and to make disciples of all nations. I wanna read those verses with you real quick this morning. So let's go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. It says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus told us to love him, to love God, and to love people the greatest commandments. This applies to every area of our life. And then the, the second one, when Jesus was leaving the earth, he said this to his disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, okay, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So these are the commands of Jesus to every one of us, and these are the 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 guidepost that all of the, the dreams that he puts in us, all of the individual callings that he gives us, tie to these things. So how do we do this? How do we fulfill this commission, living on mission for Jesus in our everyday life? Living on mission... <laughs> means living on purpose. I'm going to read this because I want to say it <laughs> like this. It means living with a missional mindset in everything we do. A mindset that recognizes that God has given us, as his followers, the mission to reach the world for him with his love, with his gospel. Living on mission is not reserved for people who are missionaries to other countries, but it is the call of God to every Christian. So how do we do it in our everyday walking around, going to work, going to school life? We do it through relationships. Through relationships, we, a key component to living on mission is intentionally building relationships for the purposes of the gospel and discipleship. Relationship is everything. 
So we've kind of, in the series, well, all of me, myself and Pastor Rob and Pastor Phyllis have gone to Genesis <laughs> every time we've preached so far, so I'm going to keep with that theme, <laughs> because God just like, actually, this was this morning when I was looking at my notes, and I had to go and change what I had written, because it was like, the Lord just like said this, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read to you. So in the beginning, God made human relationships. He made the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them. He spoke it into being, and then with his hands, he formed man, and he put him on the earth, and he breathed life into him. And then very soon, after he did that, he said this in Genesis 2.18. He said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. It is not good that the man should be alone. After he made everything, he said, it's, it says, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. He made the earth, he made the animals, he made the plants, and God saw that it was good. This time, he said, it is not good. He said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So then he searched and it says, there was not found among all the creatures of the earth a helper fit for him. And so God took from the man and created the woman and he made the first family. And what I originally had said was that God created relationships, but then the Lord spoke to me this morning. Sorry if I randomly cry, it's just a thing that my family does and so I'm just gonna keep talking through it. So um, <laughs> the thing that the Lord spoke to me this morning was no, 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 no. This is not the moment that God created relationships. God exists forever in time past, forever in perfect relationship with himself. God is inherently relationship. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship and they didn't need anything else. God did not create relationships in this moment, but he made relationships for us. But God and relationships have existed forever. And he made us to have relationships with one another and to have a relationship with him. He created, in that moment, he created family, he created friendship, and he gave us the privilege, the opportunity to have relationship with himself and with one another. He is inherently relational and relationship is attached to everything that he does and everything that he calls us to do in our lives. We cannot fulfill God's purposes for us on the earth outside of relationships. So, real quick, as we're in this series of on mission, we are looking at our vision as the summit, the, the vision that brought us the name of our church. And so I just want to look at that real quick and um, just tie this together in there. So, 
Some of you are familiar with this, many of you are familiar with this. We have visitors and we have people watching with us online. So let's just look real quick. This is the summit. And we have talked about life in the scriptures and we have talked about Holy Spirit encounters and today we're talking about healthy relationships and you probably can't read that so I'm gonna read it for you. It says, cultivating community among believers under the healthy relationships there. Healthy relationships are so important to God that he commanded us to love each other <laughs> because he knew that it would not always be easy. <laughs> he didn't just suggest that we be nice to people who are nice to us, but he commanded us to love one another, to love others as you love yourself. And something that was taught to me um, when I was in ministry school uh, in a class we had called Relationships, uh, it was this, this idea that maybe to you this is very basic and you're like, well, duh, of course that's what it means. But for me it was kind of like a shift and just a revelation. So I want to share it with you. And that is, okay, so love your neighbor as yourself. So someone might say, well, I don't love myself very much. Okay, but here's the reality of how you love yourself. When you're hungry, you feed yourself. <laughs> when you're thirsty, you give yourself something to drink. When you're cold, you make yourself warm. When you need something, you do whatever you have to do to fulfill that need, right? We might have different ways that we think about ourselves, things we don't like about ourselves, but at the core, <laughs> we love ourselves in the most basic sense of what it means to love that we take care of ourselves, right? We make sure that our needs are met. We make sure that we are taken care of. So that's just like a whole different shift to, in my mind of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. That we would see others as it's my place to love them and fulfill their needs, that God wants to use me to provide that need for them, to take care of them, to look out for them, to take care of their basic needs, that God uses us. He doesn't need us, but we have the privilege of being used by him in the mission that he is on in the world. So, like I said at the beginning, this is like gonna be really practical, basic, like I'm just gonna talk to you guys about these things that I feel like the Lord had me preaching this to me <laughs> as I was preparing it, and I'm coming up with my own applications out of what I'm sharing with you today. So, relationships exist at many different levels and within all different contexts of our life, right? Okay, so we're gonna look at some examples of that. So, starting with, okay, our family. The very first relationships you ever have in life are your family, right? You're born, there's your family. You have your family, you have your immediate family who lives in your home, you have your extended family. I have my family here today, I'm just gonna give a little shout out right here from Terrence across here, my brother, sister, in-laws, grandma, aunt, uncle, mom, they're here, the nieces and nephews are downstairs. <laughs> your family, they are the first relationships that you have in life. Okay, so then you have friends. 
You have friends from a lot of different things, examples of school, school activities, church, work, family friends. When I say family friends, I mean those people that have just always been there and you don't really know where they came from or how they are connected to your family, but they're just there. <laughs> they're family friends that have just been there forever. Okay, and then fill, you fill in the blank. What other places that, that you have found and made friends, right? Okay, so then you have acquaintances. People that maybe you don't know that well, but you interact with regularly at school, at your sports, those of you who do those kind of things, <laughs> um, at work, church, maybe you have people there uh, that you don't know as well, but they would be, you know, an acquaintance. Um, you have f- parents of your kids, friends, when you get to that point in life where you just have people that you've met, babysitters, places that you visit regularly. Maybe you go to a coffee shop all the time or a certain store or the bank or whatever where you have people that you have some level of relationship, of familiarity with. Those are acquaintances. Now I have to point out right now in uh, personality differences, (laughs) some people in the room don't believe in the category of acquaintances. (laughs) (laughs) My husband (laughs) believes that every person he meets is instantly his friend. (laughs) There's no acquaintance category. As soon as Terrence meets them, they're his friend. So I'm sure there are other personalities out there that can relate to that instantly, friends. So (laughs) maybe these these are all in the friend category for you. Then uh, for me, Terrence has stretched me in that a lot. But I do not naturally see people that way. I have an acquaintance category, and and there is more uh, intentionality for me to get from that point to friend. Anyone else more like that? (laughs) Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Don't leave me alone here. (laughs) But uh, as I was writing this out and thinking through this and just thinking about talking to you just from my personality of it is easy to just leave people in the acquaintance category (laughs) and just continue on. Uh, I would be a person who would never introduce myself, go out of my way to a stranger unless there's a reason to. Whereas my husband will try to meet every single person that walks in front of him. <laughs> and so, so I just wanna, I guess, acknowledge like the personalities of it's, it can be, this is not, just because I can stand up here and talk to you, I understand and I relate to the default of just continue going through life and and being polite and being nice to people and saying hi to them but that's it i have my friends i have my family everyone else is in the the category of we're polite <laughs> um but i want to challenge you today that god has put people in your path specifically for you to touch them for you to reach them, and they may not be someone who's already in your friend or family category. 
But I also want to say that God gave you your personality. So yes, we all have, because we are all, no one here is perfect. Uh, we all have weaknesses in our different personalities and things that we definitely need to grow, etc. So I'm not saying, you know, every, just like embrace all of that and do nothing. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, God gave you your personality and he wants to use you for who you are. He's not trying to take every person and make them as outgoing as Terrence or Pastor Rob. <laughs> he made you who you are and he has people who need you for who you are. And he is bringing people into your life, has put people in your life that are just waiting to receive God's love, to receive his word, to receive his encouragement, to receive his comfort, to receive the gospel through your personality, through your perspective, through exactly who God made you. And that might sound terrifying to those personalities who have no desire to talk to anyone <laughs> outside of their own family, but I promise you, if you will allow God to speak this and challenge you today that he can get you to where he wants you and use you in the lives of people that he wants to use you. As long as we are not living our daily life on mission, we miss countless opportunities to build relationships and to share the love of Jesus. And I don't say that as a, I don't know, just that just convicted my heart. And so let it speak to you that our daily life on mission is living with purpose of saying, God, who do you want me to touch today? Whose life do you want me to speak into today? Who can I serve today in the smallest way, in, in a big way that he will give us the opportunities that we are open to receive and he will give us the words and the courage and whatever it is that you need to live in the mission that he has called you to. So Jesus, obviously, <laughs> is our ultimate example to look at for the way that we do life for the way that we live and he is the one who lived his life on mission perfectly and so i want to look at some very basic yet vital and profound and thought-provoking things about jesus's relationships so jesus spent his ministry years, surrounded by his followers. He had crowds around him. He had people who wanted him for what he could do for them. He had people who wanted to hear his teachings. He had um, his family. He had his disciples. He was surrounded by people all the time in his ministry years. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of 
the, the busyness of ministry, Jesus was intentional in relationships. He called out 12 men to be with him, to do life with him, and to be discipled by him. And we see throughout the Gospels that he developed friendships, that it is obvious that relationships were important to Jesus. If anyone could say that they were too busy to invest in relationships because they had more important things to do, it could have been Jesus, but he showed us that relationship is everything. So, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus loved, and that is so simple, but Jesus loved people. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, what kind of stands out to me in that statement is, he said, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another, and by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. And so what I get out of that is that Jesus' love and the love that he exampled to them, the way that he loved them and the way that he called them to love was obviously a different kind of love. He said, by this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He, is, he called his disciples and he calls us to have a depth of love for one another that goes beyond, that goes deeper, that is different from what we see anywhere else in the world. That, that our love for one another would be like we talked about before, love your neighbor as yourself. That we would love people as our own. That we would love one another as a witness of Jesus' love. Jesus loved well, and we are called to love as he loved. The next thing, I, <laughs> I wrote this down, and then I was like, duh, like, <laughs> I can't, uh, where do I even pick an example of how to say this, but this is something that applies to us, and Jesus did it better than any of us ever have and ever could, and that is that Jesus forgave. <laughs> and when, you look, when we look at our lives and our relationships, relationships are messy. <laughs> relationships are beautiful. They are disastrous. <laughs> they are so many things that this is not just a simple, oh, just love everybody, the end. <laughs> but Jesus was our ultimate example of forgiveness. And just one verse, <laughs> um, as Jesus was literally dying, he said in Luke 23, 34, it says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And that, I just 
I just use that as an example of there's nothing that God is going to ask us to forgive someone for that is greater than the forgiveness that Jesus offered in his life on earth and that he gives to us every day. That doesn't mean that it's not difficult. That doesn't mean that it's not complicated in thinking through what it means to forgive someone for something horrible. But the beauty of forgiveness is that it's like unlocking a prison and realizing that you were the prisoner. Because when we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, we hold ourselves captive to whatever situation, to whatever person, to, to keep us held, bound from what God wants to do in our hearts. Forgiving someone is never saying that what you did is excusable, that what you did is okay, that I accept it. But forgiving is saying, I'm not going to let that keep me bound, keep me tied up, keep me from what God wants to do in my life. And so I release you and I release me. Forgiveness is just letting go and receiving that God has you anyway, that God has a plan anyway, that God wants to work through your life, that he will work all things for good. And so Jesus exampled, exemplified, gave us an example <laughs> of forgiveness and what that can look like and so as we look at our relationships, I just want you to think about where that applies to you, where you need to love deeper, where you can offer forgiveness. Okay, and then the next, the next one that stood out to me from Jesus, this one is near and dear to my heart, <laughs> and that is that Jesus confronted people. <laughs> and I don't say that because, okay, sorry. <laughs> I say that's dear to my heart because of the fact that I have learned what healthy confrontation looks like. That so often in life we experience unhealthy confrontation, correction, whatever, and so we shy away and we assume and we uh, believe that confrontation is inherently bad. But confrontation itself is not bad. Confrontation brings growth. It brings restoration. It, it brings, a, it can bring deeper relationships. Um, confrontation is just a healthy way of not burying and avoiding and brushing aside things that, that need to be talked about, dealt with, and moved on from in a healthy way. 
And Jesus was not afraid to confront people. <laughs> uh, here's, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> this just makes me laugh. Uh, so I, I, I brought an example of Jesus confronting and this one always just, for some reason, just catches me as funny in a terrible way because, <laughs> so Jesus had just told Peter. So Peter is one of Jesus' disciples who is, I just feel like we can all relate to Peter. Sometimes he just has it all together and other times he's just falling apart. And uh, so Jesus just told Peter like that he has it, like he told, he asked him, who do you say that I am? Jesus, or Peter said that you are the son of God and, um, and Jesus like commended him for that. And like a few verses later, he turns around and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Jesus says this to Peter. Okay, Matthew 16, 23. He says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So just Jesus had, my point in, in bringing up this one is just, Jesus had depth of relationship with his disciples, with Peter, that he can one minute tell him, yes, you have it, that's exactly what God revealed that to you, and turn around the next minute and say, get behind me, Satan. And that did not change his relationship with Peter because he had invested his life in him, and Peter knew that Jesus loved him, that Jesus believed in him, that Jesus cared for him, and that, that Jesus is not afraid. How, how much more confident and secure can we feel in a, in a relationship, whether it's with a parent, with, a ch with our children, with a friend, um, in a marriage, when we know that when things need to be said, and need to be talked about and need to be confronted that we can that that we can trust that person to talk to us openly to talk to us directly confrontation can be scary when we have had bad experiences with it but i just i guess i want to challenge you encourage you to hear this perspective that we, when we learn healthy confrontation, it can bring so much security and depth and just good things into the relationships in our life. When we learn how to share what we're feeling and we will learn how to receive that from others, that we don't bury things because we don't know how to talk about it. All right, um, I'm gonna skip the next verse that I have on there, so <laughs> just saying that for the slides. <laughs> but I'm gonna go into uh, the next, the last one about Jesus specifically right now, uh, is that I've been kind of saying this throughout all the other ones, but it's the, the final thing that is so important that I want to point out, and that is that Jesus went deep. Jesus went deep in his relationships. He had those people 
that he had depth with, that he knew well, that he loved, that he had deep relationships with. But Jesus did not go deep with every single person. And he doesn't expect us to have a deep relationship with every single person. But he had, as I said, those certain people. He had his 12 disciples. He had his three close friends. He had other friends that you see in the Gospels that he had depth of relationship with. Um, We see all through that he obviously was mentoring and pouring into and and discipling the 12. Um, So I want to point out some depth in another friendship that Jesus had. As I was really just digging into Jesus' relationships, um, you see this family that he connected with pretty often throughout his ministry. Um, they lived in a, a, um, a city called Bethany outside of Jerusalem. Um, and so when Jesus would travel, he would stay with them. He would visit them. He, uh, there are several stories about this family um, that you can come across in the Gospels. But I want to read specifically this one. So um, this is a family of three siblings, and their names were Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So I'm sure you're familiar with them. (laughs) And uh, this story is the one in which Lazarus, the brother, gets sick and passes away. And they they had sent word to Jesus before he died, and it said specifically this, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus continued to minister, and then he came, but by the time he came, Lazarus had already died. And so I want to read John chapter 11, verses, sorry, Uh, I'm just going to, confession, I couldn't find my glasses this morning, so I'm going to turn around. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I have the whole thing on here. Okay. So here's what it says. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, actually, let's skip, skip this verse and go to the next one of John chapter 11. Sorry, making it complicated for you. Here we go. Okay, actually I have this one. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Um, and it's just a picture of the depth of friendship. These people were not even his 12 disciples, but these are the friends that Jesus created that, that the, the Jews who saw. And Jesus, okay, Jesus was coming. The next part of the story is he raises him from the dead. So even though he's literally about to see him, 
he's about to call him out of the grave alive, he cared so much for these people and their hearts and their grief and their, what they were going through that he cried with them. And it says, see how he loved him. When they sent word to Jesus, they said, he whom you love is sick. Jesus had depth of relationships. He developed friendships in the midst of his busyness of ministry, busyness of life. He's, he's mentoring, he's discipling, he's teaching, he's healing, he's doing all these things, but he still made time to have intentional relationships with people. And we, as his followers, as Christians, we are called to that same love and depth and just that, that level of relationship with people that we cry with them, that we feel with them. And again, there are going to always be people that are in your acquaintance category, <laughs> but there are people that God is calling each of us to go deeper, to intentionally touch, to intentionally reach out to. Relationships were a priority to Jesus as he lived his life on mission. And then I want to point out also Jesus intentionally connected with unbelievers, with sinners, as they said in the verse here. Uh, he did not spend all of his time only with his followers, but he intentionally made time and shared meals with sinners. In uh, Luke chapter 15, um, verses one and two, here we go. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus gave us the example to intentionally connect with unbelievers. That he puts, those are the people he puts in our lives and we just have to open our eyes and see who do you want me to touch today? Who do you want me to reach out to today? Who do you want me to share your love with today? We have those people in who we, maybe they're, like I said before, parents of your children's friends. Maybe they are the person that you see every single week when you get your coffee. Maybe they are the teller at your bank. Maybe they're just a person at your grocery store. Every single one of us, no one can say that I have no contact with someone who doesn't know Jesus. You might not have a close friend, but the Lord puts people in your path and I can confidently say that if he has called me to be on mission, to love God, to love people, and to share the gospel 
I can only do two of those without unbelievers in my life. Right? I can't make disciples of all nations. I can't share the gospel. I can't bring people to know Jesus if I'm not willing to talk to someone who doesn't know him. And I'm preaching this to myself because although I might say I'm willing, (laughs) how often do I step out and do it? If you guys uh, realize this, I work at the church, so I don't even have co-workers who don't know Jesus. So I get those of you who would say, I don't interact with anyone or see anyone or know anyone, especially now, let me say this, in this time of COVID where people are way more distanced and the enemy wants to use this to separate us and to prevent the gospel from having opportunity to be shared, to prevent us from If we already were nervous about praying for that person in the grocery store, how much more so now that they're wearing a mask and staying six feet away from you? But God and his mission is not limited by coronavirus. God's mission for us is not limited by masks and social distancing. He has steps for us every day to take to give us opportunity to love on someone to be the difference that causes them to take a step closer to Jesus if we are willing If we are open, I talked last week, for those of you who may have been here last week when I was sharing about, um, during the offering time, um, I had a necklace that says, no fear. And what I shared about was the fact that I have been through deliverance from fear. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me in that was, that I was allowing fear to be my Lord. That Lord means master, controller, decision maker. And I was letting fear be my decision maker, be my controller. And maybe that's not fear for you, but let's look inside of ourselves and ask what is making the decision that is stopping me from letting Jesus challenge me, stretch me out of my comfort zone, use me? What what might it be for you that would, maybe it's just busyness. Maybe it's just routine. Maybe it's, it's just changing your mindset and saying, okay, Lord, What does living on mission mean for me? What is building relationships with the intention and purpose of the gospel and discipleship, what does that look like for me? 
Who are the people that you have put in my life to take another step, whether it's depth, whether it's just touching them, reaching out to them to share a little bit of his love. So the last thing I want to do is just challenge all of us on two sides, on the one side of thinking of sharing the gospel, thinking of making disciples, thinking of those people that we see or that maybe we don't need to go start seeing who don't know Jesus. What are practical ways for you? I don't want you to leave here and just think, oh, that was nice. <laughs> but I want to leave you with just a thought-provoking, only you know where you go on a weekly basis, on a however often you leave your house at this point. <laughs> uh, who are those people that you can say, I, God might be putting them in my path for a purpose. Maybe I need to take another step of asking them how, how their day is going and let God use that. It's as simple as just taking one step out of your comfort zone and letting God use it. Who are the people who don't know Jesus, who the Jesus they need to see is you? And then on the other side is, as we looked at in the summit vision, cultivating community among believers that we all of us as believers, wherever your community is, wherever your church community is, maybe it's not here at the summit, but cultivating community among believers, we are not meant to do life alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And God takes the solitary and puts them into families. And God has called us all to be a part of the household of faith. And he said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He tells us to exhort one another to come together. And so with that, I just want to encourage, challenge, push you to look around you and see what relationships are you developing, Have you? can you develop among believers to cultivate community? How can you do that? Inviting someone to lunch, asking them to go out to coffee, whatever that looks like for you. Join a life group if that's easier to just start that way and begin to intentionally cultivate community and build relationships with believers, that, that we wouldn't just be people who come in here on Sunday and say, hi, how are you, good morning, and then we leave and go about our life. But it's time as we go into 2021 that we would be doing life together. Jesus did life with his disciples. That's how he discipled them. Let us go into 2021 making disciples and cultivating relationships and depth that is outside 
of the walls of the church, that this time is just a reunion of all the relationships that are growing and being built and getting deep, that if these, God forbid, these doors would be closed for a period of time, as they have been, that the relationships don't stop just because you're not coming here, because your relationships aren't only in this room. So who can you ask the Lord, look around. (laughs) You don't have to wait for him to speak a name to you, but look around you and take that step of going deeper with someone, of connecting more with someone. All right, let's pray. God, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your example in Jesus of what healthy relationships look like in, in the church, in, with unbelievers, and just in all areas of life, Lord, that, that you showed us how to love deeply, how to forgive how to confront when needed, how to go deep in our relationships. And you are calling us as we go into this new year, you are calling us to live our life on mission, to live with a purpose every day, in our everyday life, in everything we do. It's not some special thing that some people receive, but when we received you, we received your mission to love God, to love people, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to to look for those opportunities, those divine moments in our day where we can speak your truth, where we can speak your love, where we can serve and let you use us. So Lord, I just ask that as we go from here, Lord, that you just stir this word in each of our hearts. God, you know every person and what they need to be challenged with today. So I ask that you would speak to each heart, drop a name in their heart of who it is that they need to take these steps with. Lord, we just thank you, God, and I just ask that you that you would stir this up and that you would challenge us this week and that you would show us what living on mission looks like in each of our daily lives. In Jesus' name.